Welcome to Depth and Candor. I'm Hiwate Gaitana, and I'm obsessed with living a life that's full and vibrant. You are listening to the very first episode of this podcast series, and I am delighted, delighted to have you here. Depth and Candor is designed to help you figure out how to live a life that is so incredibly bomb, it surpasses even your wildest dreams. On today's episode, I'm talking to one of my favorite people on the internet, my virtual mentor and one of the first people I credit with giving me the confidence to start Depth and Candor in the first place. Her name is Mylique Teal. Mylique is the founder of Curlbox, a super popular subscription box for hair products, but I discovered her through her Instagram and then fell in love with her podcast which is called My Leak Teal's Podcast. And most recently, I am loving her website, mytaughtyou.com. Since I started following My Leak about five years ago, I've learned so much about business and life from her, primarily through her podcast, her Instagram, and her Snapchat posts. And there's one thing that really stands out to me about My Leak. She is incredibly consistent online while running an entire company. So when I got the chance to interview her, I wanted to talk to her about her motivation and how she maintains it. And I thought this would be especially fitting given that it's the first month of a new year and studies show that generally speaking, more and more people stop following through on their New Year's resolutions with each passing week. So you'll love this episode if you have some goals you'd like to achieve this year and you know that your motivation won't be as high in the coming weeks. Okay. Let's get into it. Mylik, thank you so much for making time for this interview. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. So why don't we start with you telling everyone listening what mytaughtyou.com is and um, what some of these companion worksheets that we're going to be talking about are. Sure. Um, mytaughtyou.com is a website that I started, I think, two years ago, um, sort of as a way for people to find me all in one piece online. Um, In the beginning, all I had was social media, and I think that I started to develop fans of my podcast and people who, some people like my Twitter, some people like my Instagram, and people had started sending me, like, money into my office, which was crazy. So I said, let me just build a home for people to connect with me or find me. Um, and so that's pretty much what it is, and that's just a place that I share sort of like my mindset, um, ideas, books that I have loved to read, um, my products that I like to sell. And um, just recently, we kicked off uh, the My Taught You Companion Worksheets, and those are companions to um, the podcast, which kind of give people some actionable items that they can do in some areas that they may be concerned about. So. Um, I allowed the young women in my office to pick the podcast that they thought people might enjoy most. So that is how we selected them. And so um, I went through and I listened to the podcast and I put together um, some very lengthy, I know one of them is nine pages, um, action items that people can actually do um, along with the podcast. And the way I recommend people use those worksheets is to do them multiple times throughout the year. So maybe every 90 days, Mm -hmm. Um, do them again and see what kind of progress you've made and what areas are you stuck with. Right, right. I did the maintaining motivation 
um, companion worksheet a couple of weeks ago, yeah. and I was like, it's so different to write this down versus mm-hmm. to just listen to the podcast. It's crazy. Yeah, because it's like as it applies to you, you know, it's easy to right. listen, but then I think I have found that, like, I think the actual work, my podcasts are very popular, but the worksheets, I think people are like, oh, no, this is work. And I'm like, yeah, well, that's the whole point of it, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's easier to just think about and vacillate over what you're going to do versus actually doing it. Right, right. And I think it feels more like entertainment when you're just listening to it. So I live in New York, and mm-hmm. I listen to your podcast when I'm on the train, and it's like, okay, well, I got off the train. Am I still thinking about these things, or is it just in the back of my mind somewhere lingering, and am I not going to do anything about it? So I loved the worksheets, especially the Maintaining Momentum one. Awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah. Um, okay, so I worked through three of them, actually. I worked through why you aren't getting the job and taking a business approach to dating as well as maintaining momentum. And I wanted to talk to you about this last one because Depth and Candor is really all about living a productive and full life. And I started it when I felt like I didn't know how to do that. And the only thing I knew was that I would figure out how to do that. And I wanted to document the whole thing. Um And this particular companion worksheet I thought was so interesting because when you recorded that first, the same uh, podcast by the same name, um, it was your first podcast of 2016. And you started it by uh, talking about how it's been a couple of weeks since the start of the year and you just were not feeling it. And you were really honest about that. And because you need to have motivation before you can have momentum. I wanted to ask you, how do you get motivated and excited about your goals when you aren't naturally in that mindset from the beginning? I think that, like, um, sometimes you just have to give things time, you know? Like, Mm -hmm. I'll have moments when I recognize, I think the biggest thing that you can do is recognize when you're not feeling it because the worst thing you can do is to just half-ass something, right? It's Mm -hmm. just like, well, I have to do it. I promised I would. And I think that sometimes um, even I, as a professional, I will make promises or commitments to certain brands to come up with ideas and like there's one there's a curl box product that was supposed to come out this year that brands committed to that I haven't put out because I'm not feeling it. It's missing something and mm-hmm. I can't figure out what it is. And I have just had to be honest with them and say, You know when I figure this out I'm going to be good for it. It's not that I'm ignoring it, it's not that I'm being lazy about it, it's just that the ideas aren't coming to me yet, you know, and I'm kicking it around, but sometimes you need to put things down um, for a while, and and I give myself permission to do that, you know, it's like, I cannot be absolutely 100% most popping and amazing all the time. That's amazing. Okay, I like that. I like that a lot, because I think people feel like if I've set a goal, it has to happen regardless of how I feel. Um, it's easy for it to feel that way, but that's just not true because my thing is like, would you rather wait a year and have 10 times the success or put it out today and have one, you know? Oof, yes, I love that. Um, okay, so the first step you recommend to maintaining momentum is to get clear on your vision by creating a vision board and coming up with a mantra. 
Your vision Mm -hmm. board approach, though, is a little bit different because you recommend asking yourself, how do I want to feel instead of just putting pictures of items that Mm -hmm. you want? I, when I saw that and when I heard you say it on the podcast, I was like, yes, hallelujah, because I've I think that's changed how I approach goal setting. I think it's changed what, um, how I recognize my values. So I wanted you to talk a little bit about that. Why focus on how you want to feel instead of explicitly just stating the things you want, like a house or a car? Because I think it helps you. A lot of people don't really understand what they want, and they don't realize that the things that they think they want are really the feelings, right? Mm-hmm. So someone reached out to me and said, I want to start a business, but I don't have any passion and I don't have any, like, I'm not interested in anything and I don't have any passion. And I go, well, then you should get a job. And she wrote today and kind of had an attitude. And the thing is this, like, what you want to feel, like, you want to feel valued. You want Mm -hmm. to feel, you want to be revered or respected. Um, You want to be validated. Um, You want to feel secure. You know what I mean? So it's like... If there are financial types of items on there, it's like you want to feel secure. And I think it is very important to pull out the things that you want to feel um, and make sure that they truly are aligned because if there's a particular car that you want, do you want that car because you really love the car or do you want to alter people's perception of you? And then that's just a, a bigger conversation, you know, and I think it's like, Let's get clear about what it is. It's like if you have the wedding on there, if you have the wedding dress or the wedding ring, is it that you want to have a wedding or is it that you really want to find a partner that is best suited for you? And I just think that let's dig into the feelings and and do away with just all this material crap on there, you know? Right, right. So I remember years ago you – took a picture and posted it on Instagram, and it was a book by Danielle Laporte, um, and it was called, I think, like Manifesting Desire or something along those lines. But in that book, she talks about how if you can identify the feeling that you're seeking, you can try and like make that feeling happen on a day-to-day basis. So it's not something you're constantly chasing. Is that part of it? Mm -hmm. Yeah, Mm. absolutely. Yeah, it's totally it. Um, I think that that's just kind of what people don't really think about. You know, it's like I'm not a huge, huge vision board fan, but I I know that saying something as simple as a vision board makes it easier to connect for people to connect to the process. But it's definitely about the action items and understanding the feelings that you want to have um, and trying to make those happen uh, in smaller bits or daily or along the way so that you you don't set yourself up to be like, what happens is that we make these things on the vision board destinations, not realizing that, like, you're going to get the car and then there's going to be something else, you know? You're going to get right the wedding and it's going to be something else. And so it's like if you can process the feeling, you probably the next year when you do a board, it's probably going to be a totally different thing. Right. You know, for me for a long time it was um... – grad school like I I wanted to go to an Ivy League school and I felt like if I could just achieve that then I could just prove that I was smart to myself like I just felt like I needed to do that and I got there my leak and I was like 
mm, like, what's the next thing I'm going to do to make, to help myself prove yet another feeling? Right. So it's crazy. Right. It's crazy. I love, so I loved that. When I saw it in writing, it actually, I don't know, it really made me sit and question what feelings I have been chasing because I set a lot of goals even now. And it's like, well, let's take a beat and think about what feelings mm-hmm. it is that you really um, want to manifest on a day-to-day basis. Right, exactly, because you, you, what happens is that you get these things and you, they don't do anything, you know. The real work is just like being okay where you are with what you have and understanding that, that you're smart and, and the validation you're seeking, you know, has to come from within. And it's the same thing with relationships. It's the same thing with every, I dated such a great guy for like, you know, four years, and I just didn't know who I was. So it was like, it doesn't matter how great he is. Like, it doesn't matter if, like, the wedding is right in the horizon. If I don't know who I am and what I want first, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. There you go. Yeah, love that. Um, okay, so what about mantras? You encourage your readers to write theirs in the worksheet. Um you also share some of the struggles that you've had pre-curlbox on your podcast. So looking back mm-hmm. at the times when you maybe weren't as successful, um, what mantras did you use that pulled you closer to where you are today? Um, one that I had written down uh, on my sort of like workboard on a post-it for a long time was feelings are not facts and they will pass if you allow them to. Like that was just so important to me because I think it's easy to get consumed with what somebody said or how they said it or um, how you think someone is making you feel, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And just saying that even though I may feel less than, that doesn't make it true. Even though I may feel um, like I'm not succeeding, that doesn't make it true. And so that has been, that was one of mine for a long time. And I think now I'm more like, um I, I'm constantly, I guess it depends on where I'm at in my life and what I'm going through, but, like, one of the things that I'm telling myself as I am taking on um, uh, a super large adventure is just that, like, feel the fear and do it anyway, you know? Yeah. It's like, I think people think that I don't, am no longer afraid, and it's just, or that I don't feel fear, and it's like, I absolutely do, but you feel the fear and you do it anyway. Hmm. So how do you distinguish this kind of fear or these kinds of feelings versus um, earlier when we were talking about when you're just not feeling something? Um, how do you distinguish one from the other? Like, how do you say, okay, I'm not going to do this thing because I'm not feeling it versus I have to do this thing even though I have a bunch of feelings around it? Does that make sense? Uh, I guess, I mean, like, there was something that I struggled with, I guess, earlier this week about I wasn't feeling it, and it kept me up all night, and you just have to say, like, there's a gut feeling, and it's like, understanding the difference, the gut feeling that tells you this is not right, Mm -hmm. um, versus just a feeling of it not coming to you yet, like, I, I know that feeling of, like, no. This ain't mm. it. Um, mm. And so when I feel that, I don't try, I try, I don't test that. Like if the gut is saying this is not the right place, this is not the right time, then I just simply say that. Oh, that's awesome. So do you feel like you've always listened to your gut or is that something you developed over time? Um, for the most part I do. And every time, every time that I don't, um, I always regret it <laughs> every single Same. time. Same. I, 
Um, no, I'm not listening to my gut when I feel anxious. Like, I never feel anxious unless I'm not following what I know to be true. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Um, okay, so you also encourage people to get intimate with their accomplishments when, um, mm-hmm. in order to maintain momentum. So how do you balance celebrating your successes with staying hungry and motivated? Um, I mean, I just look at it as like uh, I do something, I give myself a high five, I take a break, I take a vacation, I buy myself a nice bottle of wine. But then I keep it moving, you know? Like, mm-hmm. I think that sometimes people get hung up in celebrating a little too long, you know? It's just like, <laughs> because tomorrow, nobody cares today what you did yesterday, you know? Right. And so it's just like, I celebrate the moment, and then I move on. Yeah. Well, so, I mean, to elaborate on that a little bit, like, okay, so when do you choose to go on vacation? Like, what kind of celebration warrants a vacation versus a bottle of wine because I think that's where people get stuck. I'm probably not the best uh, gauge. I didn't take a vacation until I had like truly financially succeeded. Like I had just not gone on one, but I don't think that this was also at a time pre-social media. So I wasn't able to see how easily it is to sort of travel on a dime or do some of these other things. And so, Mm -hmm. I mean, there's some of it is that, um, I'm also just not a big partier, like, yay, you know, like there's no launch parties and stuff like that because there's just so many things that we need to focus on doing. And so similar to if you if you just apply it to the whole, like, the feeling, um, the feeling that you want to feel and apply it daily, I mean, my entire life is a celebration, you know. So it's like I try to do, I try to incorporate those feelings all the time mm. so that I don't have to have one big moment, you know. And so like I'll plan a vacation if I know that I'm going to work like nonstop for months at a time, which is something that I do like through the weekend, through the week, through the night. And then I'll plan something like I planned a trip for the end of the year. So when I plan stuff like that, I don't, you know, if I'm working my butt off, I know that the end is coming. You know, it gives me, it's really fun to, like, um, count down and all that stuff. And it goes back to the previous idea of not making everything a destination, not making your goals a destination and making it a part of what you're doing, a part of your daily life. Right, exactly. And so, you know, it's like I'll celebrate something small, you know, I'll get a good glass, you know, I'll see a friend or somebody will come over or I'll make a special dinner or I'll pull out the grill or, you know, there's all these little things that I can do um, daily to feel good, you know. Right. I've actually, by the way, speaking of daily and feeling good, I've been cooking so much more after watching your snaps. (laughs) Oh, wow. That's awesome. People tell me that all the time. Yeah, I heard uh, Dayton say that, and I was like, me too. It is good for you. And I just, like, I play some music, I have a glass of wine, and I just make myself a meal, and it feels it feels like I'm taking a moment to myself that um, no one else can have. Yeah, it's beautiful. For you, for you, by you, and I think that people miss out on, like, the value of that. I love cooking for for many reasons, but one is that it forces me to, it's not something you can passively do. So you can't be texting and doing this, your hands are wet and 
you got to watch for time and, you know, making sure things don't burn. And so I just like to do it. And then at the end, it's like a little treat, like your effort. This is the reward for my effort, you know, and doing that in discovery. I mean, it's just so much to it. And I don't think, I think a lot of people think because I'm a busy, quote unquote, successful businesswoman that I, you know, oh, I wouldn't cook. And it's like, oh, God, yes, I do, you know, because of what it does for me, you know, how it makes me feel, that feeling, you know, it feels like a little celebration every time I have done something for myself by myself. And it looks good and it tastes good and it was fun to do. Yeah, yeah. Um, It's funny that you said it's not something that you can do while doing other things because for a long time I said I hated cooking and it was Mm – Entirely, entirely, because um, I would do it while, like, having the TV play in the background, and then I'd get distracted and, like, go watch something, come back, and it's like, oh, the onions are burnt now. <laughs> That's why you uh-huh. can't cook, because you're not paying attention. Um, right, you're absolutely right. right. Okay, so um, we have two sub- reader-submitted questions, and I'm going to jump into the first one. Um, this person says, I feel like I have a lot of good ideas, but I just never know where to start in order to move forward. I'm not sure if it's fear or just plain laziness, but executing these ideas feels overwhelming. How do you start when the vision feels too big? Just start. You know, I think sometimes people will write me that all the time. I have all these great ideas. Sometimes I think that you need to vet those great ideas. We always tend to think that our ideas are better than everyone else's or it's something that hasn't been thought of before, but you need to, like, run those through the wash and make sure that they are actually great. Um, the other thing is is to if you have to decide on which one should I choose, I would choose the one that will be the most profitable first because mm-hmm. what happens is your most profitable idea will finance your other ideas. Um, so, you know, those are the things that you should do. And, you know, it's not sometimes it's just about being lazy, but it's just like take a step. Take one step and don't have the expectation of things to sort of have a payoff right away. And I use my podcast as an example. I've been podcasting for five years. I didn't start it because I had expectations of getting two million downloads or I expected to be paid. It's like I did the things that I was passionate about, the things that I cared about, and and whatever the light is, the rewards, they usually will find you. Um, And so, you know, on Depth and Candor, what I do is interview uh, people who are either creating things or stand for something really powerful. And that point of you just need to take the smallest step that'll give you a little bit of momentum and a little bit of motivation, um, that first step is the thing that keeps people back. So if you can take that first step, then you're good to go. Um, And it sounds like that's also what you're saying. Absolutely. Um, Okay, so our second question is, says, I struggle with balancing enjoying life on one end with sacrificing fun experiences with friends on the other end. Because I know tomorrow isn't promised, I know I should live life and enjoy it, but I also want to succeed in my field. What did you have to sacrifice to get to where you are, and do you regret any of those sacrifices? No, I don't regret any of the sacrifices that I've made, but, you know, when I was younger and I didn't have as much money, um, I think that I knew that I had to really put my head down 
and that partying and hanging out and stuff like that didn't mean that I wasn't connecting with my friends. It's like I still connected with my friends and I did things, but I did things that were, like, more meaningful, like being in a club for four or five hours, getting hung over the next morning for four or five hours. That's just time wasted to me for mm-hmm. me because I wasn't where I wanted to be. But in terms of, like, maybe um, setting some setting a particular day to have friends over. So I used to do more um, bigger group things on, like, a Sunday because I know everybody has to go to work, so they're not going to want to stay all night. Mm-hmm. So I would have friends over for brunch one Sunday a month so that I'm getting my friend time and I'm doing things and I make sure that I like to go to the spa or go for a drive. Um, and now that I have succeeded, like, I can make up for all the stuff that I, you know, all the stuff that I didn't get to do before. So small sacrifice. So now... If I want to take a trip, I can take a trip. If I want to fly and go visit a friend for the weekend, I can. Um, but there are some sacrifices that you just have to make on the front end, and it's just it doesn't have to be miserable, but it does have to be altered if there's something that you want to do. You know, you can just say, do I want to extend the time it's going to take me to get to where I'm going because I want to go to brunch and I want to do all this stuff, or would you rather just get it out of the way? Put your head down for a couple years, get it out of the way, and then um, the sacrifices will always be there, um, but I think that, you know, when you're young, you have the energy and the stamina to do it. When you get older, it just it just is what it is. Like, it's just, you know, being a human being, you won't be able to go as hard um, as right. you age. Were you happy even though you were making those sacrifices when you were younger? Sure, yeah. I mean, I think that, like, happy, happy is just a... I mean, my happiness wasn't based on the sacrifices, I guess I could say that. Like, my, the root of my happier unhappiness had more to do with, like, my personal life and, like, bigger issues. And mm-hmm. I think if you take, like, this whole big deep dive of, like, to think about the feelings of why people want to be successful, why people are so ambitious, um, typically has things to do with their childhood and who they want to be and who they didn't want to be in their family and what they wanted to maybe escape. And so my happiness or unhappiness wasn't based on the sacrifices. It was just based on the things that happened in my life, and it just took years of unpacking those Mm. things by way of psychotherapy. So it's much bigger than that. So it's like if you're not happy sacrificing, you're not going to be happy successful. You're not going to be happy with a wedding. You're not going to be happy. You're not going to be happy, period. Right. And that that's exactly what I was saying earlier. I um, The first time I went to therapy was when I was in, I mean, really, I guess that was the only time I went um, when I was in grad school because, you know, I was telling you, I thought that, like, going to grad school and, like, making it to a great school would mean that would I don't know, fill me up in some way. And I got, I ended up going to Johns Hopkins and I was in this really intense program, but I had crazy imposter syndrome. Like I really just felt like I don't belong here. And I had a 4.0 and I still felt like I didn't belong there. Um, And it's crazy because it's like, well, None of these things were going to ever fulfill me. None of the sacrifices I, I made were the reasons I was unhappy. None of the things I, none of the awards I won were um, going to make me happy. It was a matter of like unpacking whatever it was I had before ever getting there. Um, right. And to be honest, I think a big part of why I felt comfortable going to therapy was because, so I found your podcast pre-grad school. Um 
And I remember you talking about therapy, and I have never heard a black woman be so candid about her life in general. Um, but just as black people, we don't talk about mental health um, and taking care of ourselves in that way. We talk a lot about, like, oh, treat yourself, you know, and, like, go get uh-huh. your nails done. Um, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but it's like, well, did you get your mind done? Like, did you go and check right. in and right. feel good? Yeah, yeah. Screw, like, I, I was running my finances yesterday, and I just was adding up how much I spent on psychotherapy, and it was in the $4,000 range, and I just think, like, it is the best money that I have ever spent in my life. You know, it's the money that I would save up. It's it's a trip somewhere, that, but it's like I don't have to escape my mind um you know i don't not racing to get away from something so i don't i guess i was not aware that people i've always just been an open person and an open book and so i'm not a you know i'm not into secrecy and all that so i i every time somebody comes to me and says oh my god i'm going to therapy i'm like isn't it amazing to me it's almost like somebody coming up to me telling me they are they go to the gym now because it's just like a healthy mind and and also understanding that there's no destination with your mental health you're not going to get to that place when you get to your quote-unquote goal weight are you going to stop going to the gym you know like your mental health is ongoing when you get to a good place you want to stay in a good place and so who cares like you know I think some people think like oh I can only go when I'm in a crisis and then once I feel better then I should quit and it's like stay there stay there and stay healthy I love that I love that um so on top of going to therapy, you did a bunch of things for me, and I just want to publicly thank you for all of this. Um, of I discovered you when I was, uh, I told you, a pharmaceutical sales rep, but um, being a pharma rep meant you have, I'm in New York, so we have storage units where we keep all of the medication that we're going to distribute to the doctors, and I hated it in my league. I was like, this is not for me at all. But I had just graduated maybe a year before that from undergrad. And okay. I was like, I need I need to figure out what my next move is, but I have no idea which direction to go. Like, do I go to grad school? Do I, like, look for a better-paying job? Do I try to start my own thing? And I was sitting in that – so my storage unit was in the Bronx, and I was sitting in that storage unit – and I didn't want to go in, so I was scrolling through Instagram, and I found your page. And I was like, who is this woman that just is so, like, alive and, like, shares so much of herself? But since then, I went to grad school, the grad school that I dreamt about going forever. I went to Hopkins to earn my master's in public policy and health finance. And wow. Yeah, and I graduated at the top 10% of my school um, and I was interning at a job there, and I remember listening to your podcast on excellence, and um, I really strived to be excellent in everything that I did at that internship, and I um, ended up getting a job offer from them, but I wanted to come back to New York, so they helped me find a position in New York and they like they were so excited for me to go for the job that I wanted and now I work at a social policy research firm doing like statistical programming and on the side I run my blog and all of this because I found someone that I could um, relate to that was like young and also about something so thank you so much for that. 
You're so welcome. I mean, I love hearing these stories. They really make me happy, and I always hope that, like, people get something out of them, even if it's not necessarily a thing of, like, you don't have to be an entrepreneur, but you can definitely live your best damn life, you know, regardless of the cards, whatever the fake stuff you're telling yourself. It's not that difficult. Um, And so that's that's just stuff, this kind of, these kind of stories just absolutely make my day. You know, it lets me know that I'm not just talking to my computer, that some people are getting it and they are making the changes and living the life they deserve to have and have the level of contentment. Like I used to get jealous of seeing girls walk down the street and look happy and fulfilled. I'm like, oh. What am I missing? You know, and it's just like we can be happy and content and fulfilled and all that stuff too. Right. Um, yeah. Thank you so much for everything you do. I of really course. appreciate you. And uh, we're going to air this in uh, early 2017. And that is it. Thank you so much for listening. Everything we talked about today, including my leaks worksheets, which accompany some of her podcast episodes, will be in the show notes. If you liked this episode, subscribe on iTunes. And if you want more than just the podcast, go to depthandcandor.com and join the insiders list so I can send you an email with new videos, interviews, and my personal life lessons as they come up. We're all in this together. Let's go live vibrantly. Thank you.